0: the Assemblies of God in Orlando that will be this coming week, and so uh, we are here for that and uh, have the privilege of being here this Sunday just before the General Council, so it's always a joy to be at our Florida home church. Amen. Funny thing is, um, right now it's so warm in Wisconsin, Wisconsin feels about as warm as Florida right at the moment, but uh, <laughs> that will soon change in Wisconsin, yes, sir. but um, anyway, just before we share the message of the morning, I was thinking of how the songs uh, they relate so very well to the message and I was thinking of the phrase in one of the songs about placing our trust in him and I will not be shaken. Remember that phrase that was in that song and and uh, it fits in so very well with our message. Uh, we're going to be preaching about a lady who uh, placed her trust in God and she wasn't shaken in the midst of whatever she was going through and so that will be our message this morning. But just before we do the message and share regarding the table, just want to take a quick moment to give you a quick update because uh, I know many of you have been praying for us and we appreciate the prayers, uh, not only for the ministry, but as you recall, before we left to go back up north and do our northern ministry, we had had some tests done and the test showed that I had uh, beginning stages of prostate cancer. And so uh, anyway, um, the biopsy proved that there was traces of Uh, cancer, uh, that's a kind of a misnomer, traces of cancer, that's like somebody saying, well, I'm kind of pregnant, you know, you either have it or you don't, you know, and so, (laughs) and you're either pregnant or you're not, you know, but anyway, the point is uh, that there was was, uh, traces and beginnings of prostate cancer, and so uh, then they did a series of different kinds of tests, and they gave me about five different options as to what to do, and uh, I chose the uh, radiation treatments, and so this past month in July, I had uh, some radiation treatments. It was uh, five treatments over a period of 10 days. It was uh, 20 minutes. You drive into the uh, to the radiation center, and you lay there on the bed for 20 minutes, and uh, they do their thing, and then you go home and you do your normal routine, and I did that for five days 20 minutes each of the days, and. Uh, then uh, they tell you of all these possible side effects that there might be. Well, those never showed up, you know, so uh, so we're thankful for those you know, side effects. And, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the bad part was that we had cleared our whole schedule for July, you know, thinking, you know, when they give you this list of uh, what you're going to possibly be facing. Well, that never happened, but... We didn't get to preach in July because we didn't schedule anything, so it's a double honor to be here at our Florida home church preaching for the first time in a month, and so uh, anyway, we thank you for your prayers, and we are so grateful. There was a couple of miracles involved. The doctors up north said they were amazed that the doctor down here found it even, you know, so that was a miracle, and then no side effects, that's a miracle. So just pray that as I have a test now in a month of blood test, that it's going to show that they took care of the whole thing, everything was taken yeah. care of. So, um, so we Amen. thank God for how He's been with us and Amen. thank God for what He's been doing. Thank you for your prayers thank you, so very, very much. Quick word about the table back there. It runs itself. Don't feel like we are back there. Don't wait for come back there. You're buying a book, you're buying a CD, you'll find a gray box on the table. Paying with a check, make God fresh Fire menu put in the gray box. Paying with cash, put it in the gray box. If you need change, then come and find us. Paying with a credit card or a debit card then come and find us, otherwise the table runs itself. Everything's available for a $15 donation on this. If the sticker saying something else, some books are $10, have a $10 sticker on them. Some CD packages are $20, have a $20 sticker on them. They have two CDs in them, some have three CDs in them, but if there's no sticker on it, it'd be $15. And there's books on a lot of different subjects, books on a lot of different topics back there. Uh, Obviously, there's the two books that we've written ourselves. This one's called More Power, Supersizing the Working of the Holy Spirit. Specifically, dealing with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism in the Holy Spirit? How do I receive the baptism? How do I put it to use in my life? And so, if you're interested in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, this is a manual It is the book that will help you to understand it. And people have read the book and received the baptism in the Holy Spirit after they've read the book. So... It's also something you can give to somebody if they are interested in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. More recently, we've written another book called God's Power Tools for Life and Ministry, A Guide to the Gifts of the Holy Spirit, found in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 and 14. They're the $10 books. Now, you can get it from Amazon for $12.99. You add the shipping, it's $15, $16. You can get it back there for $10. No shipping, so obviously the best deal back there. But then more recently, we have not written this book, but it's new since we were with you uh, four months ago. And this is by Jim Simbola, And it's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. Just an excellent, excellent book. Uh, And so we would highly recommend this one. You're probably uh, familiar with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Well, that's from this particular church that uh, Jim Simbola pastors. But anyway, we encourage you to look at that. Uh, Music of various different kinds. Love the old hymns of the church. Got a CD about that. You love the most modern parts of the church. Got a CD about that. And a whole bunch of other books and CDs back there. Two other things. If you want to get our newsletter, write down your name name and address. If you want to get our weekly emailing, write down your email address. And then please continue to pray for us. We do appreciate the prayer so very, very much. Um, Pray that God's going to minister this coming Sunday in Mayfield, Kentucky. Pray God will touch hearts and lives there. The week after that, we'll be in Medford, Wisconsin. Pray God will pour out His Spirit there. The week after that, we'll be in Jump River, Wisconsin. Pray God will pour out His Holy Spirit there. Just a the unique thing about that particular church, that's a community church, not an Assemblies of God church. It's a community church, but it's pastored by an Assemblies of God minister. And so we started this process about four years ago. He invited us to come to preach on the ch- at the church. So we preached on faith, we preached on revival, we preached on a variety of things. <laughs> But his goal really has been to introduce the church to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so what's happened is we, we have our book table out and people in the church have been buying this book called More Power. Now they've been asking him about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So this time he said, now when you come, he said in the morning preach whatever God of to preach on. But then when we saw him at our district council, he said... Can we have you come back Sunday night and there's people asking questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So can you let them ask their questions and answer the questions about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So pray God's going to pour out His Holy Spirit in this what is now a non-Pentecostal church into becoming a Pentecostal church. So pray God will pour out His Spirit there. But it doesn't matter where we go. We need That's God in single week. So if we are partners in ministry, we'd appreciate it so very, very much. I think that's all we're going to share regarding the table we're going to ask you to stand with me if you would please and turn through your Bibles this morning to the book of Second Kings. Second Kings chapter four verses twenty-five and twenty-six. Second Kings chapter four verses twenty-five and twenty-six. You know tests, they reveal what is in us. You take a medical test and it reveals your medical condition. You take a scholastic test and it shows your scholastic knowledge. You take a PSA test and it shows you if you have, what's the condition of your prostate. But tests, they have a way of showing and revealing what is in us. Well, this morning, our message deals with tests we face in life and one particular example of a woman and what she faced. 2 Kings chapter number 4, starting with verse number 25, reading from the New King James Version, <coughs> and it says, And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel, so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. It is well. If you join with me this morning, let's pray together out loud. Make it our personal prayer as we pray this prayer together out loud this morning. Pray with me out loud, please. Dear God, I thank you for who you are and for what you are doing in my heart, in my life, and in this church. And this morning, I ask you to further your work in my heart, in my life, and in this church. Have your way in me this morning. In Jesus' name, name. amen. 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 You may be seated, please. I'm sure we all can remember tests that we took in school. And I can remember having tests in school and college. And there's one particular test that really stands out in my mind because it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. I still remember it so very vividly. I was in eighth grade at the time. And it was my English class and the teacher's name was Mrs. Pinsky. And I remember very unique instruction she gave that day before she handed out the test. She said, on this particular test what I'm going to do is I'm going to grade you on the number of questions you get right of the ones that you have answered. I will grade you on the percentage you get right of the questions you have answered. And so the test had probably 50, maybe 100 questions. And the wheel started to turn in my 8th grade mind. You know, there's five of these questions that I really, really know. I mean, forget the other 95. There's five of them that I really, really, really know. And so I answered those five questions that I really, really knew. Turned in the test paper. I figured the next morning when I got the test back, I'd have a big A on my paper. Yeah. Well, I did not have an A on the paper. I had an F on the paper, and I had a very angry English teacher in front of me. And she said she was not very happy at all. But you see, what I tried to do was, I tried to get away with doing the whole test, and I tried to pick and choose the questions on the test. You know, we face tests in life, tests of faith, and we can't get away from them, and we can't pick and choose the tests, and we cannot pick and choose the parts of the test we want to take. And the Bible is filled with fascinating individuals whose faith was tested. Examples of faith. And this morning we want to look at some of those individuals. Particularly we want to focus on a very fascinating woman. We never learned the woman's name. She is just simply referred to as the Shunammite woman. A great example of faith. And this morning there's things we can learn. Things we can be challenged by. And things we can be comforted and encouraged by as we look at this account of the Shunammite woman. We're going to look at three points together this morning. First of all, she was tested. Or first of all, she was blessed. Second of all, she was tested. And thirdly, she was faithful. First of all, she was blessed. We read in our text chapter how Elisha the prophet went to Shunamm. And there was this well-to-do woman invited him to stay for a meal with her and her husband. And after that, whenever Elisha came that way, he would stop there for a meal. Well, one day this woman said to her husband, I know this man who often comes by is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him. Let's put an addition onto our house and we'll put into that room a bed, a table, a chair and a lamp." And then whenever he comes by this way, he can stay there in this room that we will build for him. So they built the room and one day when Elisha and his servant Gehazi were staying there in the room, Elisha said to Gehazi, his servant, call in the woman. The woman came and Elisha said to the woman, you've done all of this for us. What can be done for you? And the Shunammite woman said, I dwell among my people. I have a home in my country. She was content. She was very content. After the Shunammite woman left, Elisha said to Gehazi, his servant, What can we do for this woman? What can we do for her? And Gehazi said, She has no son, and her husband is old. Elisha called the woman back in. And Elisha said prophetically to the Shunammite woman, Next year at this time, you will be holding a child. It's exciting that no matter what the situation is with God, there's always a but God. But God. It didn't matter how old the Shunammite woman was and how old the man was. There's always a but God. No matter how things look, there's always a God. Amen. And sure enough, just as the prophet had prophetically said, the next year she gave birth to a son. She was blessed. She was blessed. We see some keys to her blessing and to ours. First of all, we find that she was content. The Shunammite woman was condemned. She was not murmuring. She was not complaining. She was not bitter about not having a child. You might say, what's the big deal? She didn't have a child. But in our culture, that's not a big deal at all. Back in their culture, it was a very big deal. When a woman did not have a child, she was looked down upon. She was thought to be cursed by God. and, And she was very much looked down upon if she did not have a child. But the my woman, she was not murmuring, she was not complaining, she was not bitter, but she was content. The Bible is filled with examples and filled with scriptures encouraging us to be people of contentment. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, Paul says, For I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. And the amazing thing about that is Paul is writing that while he is in house arrest, based on false charges, something he did not even do, but he had been arrested and now he's in house arrest, and he's writing, I've learned that whatever state I'm in, to be content. Paul writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Yeah, that's true. So what is meant by contentment? Let me give you my definition. Contentment is being satisfied with what we have and where we are at, but hungry for God and all that he has. Satisfied with what we have and satisfied with where we are at, but hungry for God and hungry for all that God has for us. We learned about and saw contentment when we were ministering in the Philippines. I often think back to when we were there and we remember these students at the whole Bible college. They had so little, the students at that Bible school. They had one guitar for the whole student body. It seemed like every one of them knew how to play it, but they would just pass it around from one to the other. They had one guitar for the whole student body. They had no PA system. They had a wooden box that they used as a bongo drum. How would you like to play that drum? (laughs) They they, they could get, get amazing sounds out of that box, though. They washed their clothes at a well. They had no flush toilets. They had so very little. But they had Jesus. They had Jesus and there was a passion and there was a fire for Jesus. There was a love for Jesus. Sharp, sharp, incredible students. And a hunger for more and more of Jesus. I remember one of the girls said to Beth one day, I want to be just like you. And we thought, we want to be just like you. Remember that old chorus, he's all I need. He's all I need. Jesus is all I need. People who are content are blessed. Complainers don't get blessed. I'm often reminded of what Joyce Meyer said one time. She said, If we complain about what we have, why would God want to give us more to complain about? Let's be thankful for what we have. Let's be thankful and grateful. To complain, she said, is to remain. To praise is to raise. One of the reasons it took the Israelites 40 years to make an 11-day journey was because of two things. One was because they disobeyed. The other was that they complained. They were complainers. They complained. The Shunammite woman, she was content. Second of all, she was willing to give of what God had blessed her with. You see, God had blessed her with resources. She couldn't give a son like Hannah did because she didn't have a son. But she could give resources because that's what she had. She gave of what God had blessed her with. God blesses us so we can be blessings to others. Not to hoard, not to hang on to. It might be in the area of finances or talents or other things. The Shunammite woman was blessed for her giving, her generosity. She fed Elisha and Gehazi. She housed Elisha and Gehazi. She had a room built for Elisha and Gehazi. The Shunammite woman was blessed. Two keys. She was content. And number two, she gave of what God had blessed her with. Brings us to our second point this morning. She was tested. Fast forward a few years now. The child had grown... And he was now old enough to go out to where his father was reaping in the fields. He was not working in the fields yet, but he was old enough to go out into the fields while the father was working there. And one day in the field, the boy said to his father, My head, my head. Many commentators believe that perhaps the boy had a sunstroke, And so the father had the servant carry the boy back home. The boy sat in his mother's lap. Till noon, and there he died. Her faith was being tested, and every believer will go through trials and times of testing. Brian Jarrett, one of our Simmons God preachers in one of his books said this From time to time we encounter roadblocks that confuse us or infuriate us. We've been following God faithfully, but now we're stuck in our tracks. We feel like shaking our fists at God and saying, this isn't fair. I thought you were going to come through for me. In those times that every believer eventually faces such times, we have to cling to God in spite of our perceptions and feelings. We cling to the reality of what we know to be true. We trust Him even in the darkness. And we hold on to Him even when we don't see the road ahead. We trust Him and we hang on to Him. The Bible is filled with examples of people whose faith was trusted. Faith was tested. For example, Abraham, his faith was tested several times. First of all, he was asked to go, but God didn't tell him where he was going. Acts chapter 7 verse 3, When Stephen is talking about this. Stephen says, And he said to him, meaning God said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land that I will show you. God says, leave your homeland and go to a country that I will show you. Somebody said it's like being asked to step out on tissue paper, tissue paper floating on water, and you're asked to take a step onto the tissue paper. But when you do, you find out there's a rock underneath. (laughs) But you didn't know it when you took the stand. And then Abraham was asked to trust God for a promise that from his seed would come a mighty nation. The pastor mentioned this on Wednesday night, if you read the Wednesday night Bible study. He, God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac, the Isaac that was going to be the fulfillment of that promise. But the point was that from the time when the promise was given, And Isaac was born was 25 years. There was 25 years in there. And some people, in fact, don't even see the promises fulfilled in their lifetime. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I'm reminded of a church here in Florida we were ministering at. and There was a former district superintendent, not from this district, but another district. And he was a part of that church. He and his wife, they were a part of the church. And they had a son that was not serving Christ. And they prayed and they prayed and prayed for that son to come to Christ. And they were praying and praying and praying for that son. And then... The superintendent, he passed away. He never got to see that son come to Christ. But a few weeks after the funeral, that son gave his life to Christ. He didn't get to see it in his lifetime, but the promise happened. It came to pass. And then again, Abraham's case when he was told to go and offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 19, the Bible says that concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. His faith was tested when he was asked to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice. But he trusted and believed that God could even raise him from the dead if necessary. The Israelites, they were tested with the manna. They were tested in Hebrew they were tested with the manna, where God said, Collect the manna six days on the week, and on the sixth day get a double portion enough for the seventh day. But every day they had to trust God for provision for the next day. On and on, day after day after day after day. The Lord's prayer says, Give us this day, our daily bread, our daily bread. Oftentimes we wish it would be yearly bread or a longer period of time. We had a camp speaker this past few weeks ago at our district family camp in Wisconsin. He was saying, sometimes we want God to give us that big load of resources. But he asked a very thought-provoking question, why? So we then don't need to trust God for future provision. He wants us to be dependent upon Him. He wants us to trust Him. I'm reminded of, again, in the Philippines, there was a very unique situation that happened, at least in the place where we were ministering. There were people that drove the Filipino version of taxis. I mean, they had regular taxis, but they also had these taxis, what they called taxis, but it was actually a motorcycle with a sidecar. And that was the Philippine version of a taxi, poor man's taxi. You wouldn't believe how many Filipinos they could fit on one of those vehicles. I mean, they they had all kinds of people on there. But what would happen is the husband, the father, the head of the home, he would, in the morning, he'd get his tricycle, as they call it, their motorcycle, the sidecar, and he'd go out and he'd collect fares until he had enough fares, enough money to go to a local store and he'd buy food for breakfast. They'd go home and have breakfast. He'd go home, home with the food. They'd have breakfast. After breakfast, he'd hop on the unicycle. Or he'd, uh, uh, not the unicycle, but the price And he'd again collect fares until he had enough money collected for lunch. Mm-hmm. He'd buy food, go home, and then they'd have lunch. Mm-hmm. For supper, it was the same thing. It was not even living check to check. That was living meal to meal. That's true. But... There was a faith and a confidence that God was going to provide. Faith is being tested. Today, believers, faith is being tested. In tough situations, maybe financial situations, loss of job, financial needs, savings depleted, or many other ways. As we travel, we see and hear of incredible situations of faith being tested. The Shunammite woman's faith was being tested. You might be here this morning and your faith is being tested. Let me go to the third and the last point. She was faithful. The Shunammite woman now called her husband and said to the husband, send one of the servants and one of the donkeys to me so I can go to the man of God and return. The husband said, why are you going today? It's not the new moon. It's not the Sabbath. Why are you going today? And she said, it is well. It is well. She saddled the donkey, told the servants, Don't slow down till I tell you to. And so they went to where Elisha was, and when Elisha saw her coming, it says in our text, he sent Gehazi to meet her and asked her, Is it well for you with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she said, It is well. It is well. She then came to Elisha and said, Did I ask you for a son? Didn't I say, don't raise my hopes? And then she told what had happened and how the boy had died.
1: Elisha then
0: gave his staff to Gehazi, his servant, and sent him to where the boy was. And he had said to the servant, Lay the staff on the boy's face. The Shunammite woman meantime said to Elisha, I'm not going to leave you. She wanted Elisha to come personally. Elisha went with the Shunammite woman. Well, hence I got there first. He laid the staff on the boy, but nothing happened. Now Elisha arrived and he went in. He prayed. He laid on the child. He walked for a while. Laid on the boy again. And the boy sneezed and opened his eyes. Came back to life again. Again, aren't you grateful for, but God, Lord but Lord God. Lord God. Elisha called the my woman in and said, Come and take your son. We see the faith and the faithfulness of the my woman, particularly as we look at the wording. When her husband asked her, Why are you going to see the man of God? She said, It is well. King James Version, New King James Version. When Gehazi asked in our text, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? She replied, It is well. Again, King James Version, New King James Version. The Hebrew word that is translated, It is well, is the word shalom. Most commonly commonly it's translated as peace. But the word, it literally means, It's alright. It's It's alright. It's all right. In fact, if you have an NIV translation this morning, it translates it that way. It's all right. Everything is all right. The Living Bible paraphrase translated as everything is fine. That's faith. That's faith. It's not a denial of reality. She knew the facts. Her son was dead. She knew the facts. And it's not somebody... Just muttering through grinded teeth and, and just... You ever meet somebody in there? How are you doing today? I'm going just great. Right. <laughs> Everything is just fine. That's not the picture we get of what the woman is saying here. She is saying it with an attitude of faith. Everything is alright. Everything is alright. She's not lying, but it's a declaration of her faith. It's alright. Everything is alright. That's peace in the midst of the circumstances, everything is all right. Like the chorus said, I will trust in Him. I will not be shaken. Everything is all right. Knowing it's all right. Knowing everything is all right in the midst of the trials. And the word shalom in scripture, it's not only future, it's not only past, but it's present. It's now. It's all right. It's right now. You say, oh yeah, well she knew. Her son came back to life. Remember, she's saying this before he came to life. It wasn't after he came to life. She's saying it before he came to life. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. In the case of the Shunammite woman, her son was dead. Did it hurt? Yes. Did she like it? No. Did she understand it? No. Did she have questions? Yes. In fact, Second Kings 4.27 says she was in distress. She was in distress. But in the midst of it all, she was wanting God to work. She went to God, Elisha, and she wanted God to work. We do the same in the midst of the trials. Everything is all right. But yes, we pray, we fast, we seek God, we go after God. But we can have this dichotomy of both things. We're seeking God. But also in the midst of it all, we're trusting him, saying everything is all right. Everything is all right. Everything is all right. right. She realized that everything was all right because her life was in God's hands. Her son's life was in God's hands. And in the midst of our circumstances, we can say, it's all right because of the one who has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Because of the one in whose word it says that we're going to make it. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I'm going to make it. You're going to make it. We're going to make it because we are in his hands. When our faith is tested, let's not accuse God of neglect. Let's not accuse God of unfaithfulness. Let's not accuse God of child abuse. Sometimes, yes, we're disappointed. But you know what? Sometimes we're disappointed because we've got the wrong expectations. I think of something one of our preachers, Scott Wilson said in one of his books. He said, following Christ with our whole heart doesn't guarantee the outcomes we always like. That's a hard lesson for American Christians. Too many of us misunderstand God's will and his ways. The longer we walk with God and the more we read the scripture, we find that God's ways are sometimes mysterious, even baffling. At those times, we simply bow our heads and acknowledge that he is God and we are not. He is God and we are not. Sometimes it's kind of like when the person is trying to light a fire and the wind blows it out and we don't like it. But then other times when the wind is blowing and it keeps the fire going, we like it. So in the first situation I label the wind bad because it messes up my plans. In the other I label the wind good because it helps me accomplish what I want to get done. This paradox illustrates how we judge things by the way they affect us. We declare circumstances bad if they mess up our plans Or we judge them as good if we agree with them and they support our plans. But here's the keynote. But God is the one who determines what is good or bad. And he does so not by how it affects our plans, but by whether or not he accomplishes his plans. Sometimes we are disappointed because we have wrong expectations. We expect things to revolve around our plans. They don't. They revolve around God's plans. They revolve around God's plans. Sometimes we have wrong expectations. And number two, sometimes we're impatient. Again, that relates to pastor's study on Wednesday night. We are impatient. We want it now. We live in a microwave society. We want it now. We've said it before. You know, we need to realize that we try to function on a microwave mentality. But you and I we serve a crock pot God. That's true. That's true. He never seems to be in a hurry. He's on God's time. He does things according to his timing. That's true. That's true. Sometimes the promises they require a process. That's right. We sometimes want the promises, don't but don't want to go through the process to get there. That's true, too. Every setback. We have encountered every time God said no when we thought he should say yes. Every time things have gone wrong and we just did not understand, God was shaping us, developing our faith and trust in him. Difficulties are the path of spiritual growth. Let's trust him to work on our behalf. It's all right because as believers we can know he hasn't forgotten you. He isn't unfaithful. And his promises are true. Whatever your circumstances may be this morning. Whatever you may be in the midst of. I tell you as a follower of Jesus Christ. He hasn't forgotten you. I tell you he isn't unfaithful. And I tell you his promises are true. It's alright. It's alright. We're going to make it. It's alright. Brings us to our closing this morning. Every believer will face adversity. But in the the midst of adversity, we can say, it's all right. Everything is all right. God is with me. God will see me through this. And God has a plan. Now the Shunammite woman, she shows up again four chapters later. 2 Kings chapter number 8 verses 1 to 6. Let me tell you what's happening. There's now a famine in the land. And this famine was going to last for seven years. And Elisha tells her and her household to go wherever they can to get away from the famine and to stay there until the famine is done. So the Shunammite woman, she goes away for seven years. Seven years later, now she returns. And she now goes to the king to get her house and her land so the Shunammite woman heads to the palace to talk to the king. In the meantime, the king is in the palace, and he is talking to Gehazi, Elisha's servant. And the king asks Gehazi, tell me about the miracles of Elisha. And so Gehazi begins to tell the king about the miracles of Elisha. And now Gehazi gets to the miracle of the Shunammite woman's son being raised from the dead. And he begins to tell the king about the Shunammite woman's son being raised from the dead. And as he is partway through the story, guess who walks in the door? It's the Shunammite woman. She comes walking through the door And the the Ehazai says, And there she is. It was her son that got raised from the dead. Boy, you talk about divine timing. I mean, that's the kind of God you and I serve. He he, can put things together in timing like you and I could not even imagine. And so then the Shunammite woman finishes the story. She finishes the testimony. When the king heard all of this, The king restored to her all that was hers. The land, the house, restored all that was hers. Plus, the king also added to that the amount of proceeds that were made from the land during those seven years that she was gone. Do you see what happened? It's kind of like Paul writes to the Ephesians. That Paul says our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we ask or think. All she wanted was her house and her land. Well, she got the house, she got the land, and she got all the money that was made off of the house and the land while she was gone. But if there had not been the earlier trial, the son dying, there would have been no miracle. The son being raised to life. and without the miracle, she perhaps would not have gotten her home and land back, plus the money that was made off the land. There it was an incredible testimony. But have you ever noticed that word testimony? In order to have a testimony, you have to have a test. That's true. It's a testimony. That's right. Testimony. You know? That's the kind of God we serve, though. And that's why you and I can say, it's all right. I don't understand everything that happens, but I know God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. It's like Dutch Sheets tells in the story on Hope, we have at the table back there. He tells a story about a man who got shipwrecked on an island. He's on a deserted island. No help in sight, and so this man figured that, well, I had better, first of all, I better build a lean-to. So he builds a little lean-to for shelter. And then he figured, well, I better build a fire, because it's going to get cold at night, and so I better build a fire. So he builds a lean-to, starts the fire, then he thought, well, I better go get some food. And so he goes off into the woods there to get find, try to find some food, some berries, some nuts, and whatever. And while he was gone, the fire spread out of his fire ring, and it burned his lean-to to to the ground. So he got back, and he was just so discouraged, because now the lean-to was a pile of ashes, and now he's going to have to build a lean-to all over again. But lo and behold, shortly after that, a few moments after that, a boat arrived, a rescue boat arrived. And he asked them, how did you find me? I didn't see anybody on the horizon. How did you find me? He He said, I saw your rescue fire. It was the hut burning. It's amazing how God can turn things around. It's amazing how God can use adversity to our advantage. Let me just finish with one other story that kind of brings us all together. Herod, Horatio Spafford. He was a successful, prosperous lawyer in Chicago. Also a devout pres- Presbyterian church elder. He and his wife, they lived comfortably with their four young daughters in Chicago. They had numerous real estate holdings. But in 1871, the great Chicago fire happened. And it destroyed most of his real estate holdings. Two years later, Horatio and his family decided to go on vacation with friends in Europe. But at the last moment, Horatio was detained by business. So Anna and their four daughters went on ahead on a ship to Europe. Sailing on the ocean liner SS Villa the Herod, on November the 21st, 1873, the liner was ran amidship by a British vessel and sank within minutes. Anna was picked up unconscious, floating on a board. But the four daughters had drowned. Fortunately, there was another cargo ship in the area that arrived to bring all the the survivors to safety. And nine days after the shipwreck, Anna landed in Cardiff, Wales, and cabled her husband, Horatio, These six words, Saved alone, what shall I do? Saved alone, what shall I do? After receiving Anna's telegram, Anna's telegram, Horatio immediately left Chicago to bring his wife back home. As they were crossing the Atlantic, the ship that he was on, the captain of the ship called Horatio to his cabin to tell him that they were passing over The spot where his four daughters had perished. Upon hearing that, Horatio went down to his cabin and he wrote the words to this well known hymn When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It it is well. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. That's what you and I can say in the midst of our circumstances. Because of the God we serve. And because of who he is. That can be our thing. Let's bow our heads together in prayer this morning. Beth, if you'll come to the keyboard, please. Father, this morning we thank you and we praise you from the very depths of our heart for who you are. Father, this morning we thank you for your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. And Father, we're so thankful and so grateful for Jesus this morning. Because Father, we realize that without Jesus, without Jesus, we would have no relationship with you. We would have no possibility of a relationship with you. Father, this morning we are so thankful and so grateful for Jesus. And we're so thankful and grateful for all that is available to us through Jesus. And we realize we can't earn merit or deserve anything we receive of you. But we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your trustworthiness that we can place our trust in you. And we can say in the midst of our circumstances, everything's all right. Father, we thank you for all that's available to us through Jesus. We also realize you never force anything on anybody but you wait for us to open the doors and the windows of our life. To Jesus and all that you make available to us through him. Father, we pray that in the closing moments of this service, Father, we would just open our hearts, our minds, and our lives, allowing your work to be furthered within us. Father, you know each person in this sanctuary. You know each person that is watching online. Father, you know where each individual is at. And Father, we know that you love them and you desire to minister in their life, in their situations, in their circumstances. This morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around please. I don't know each person here this morning and I don't know where you are at in your spiritual life. You might say, preacher, just a few moments ago you said that without a commitment of our life to Jesus, we have no relationship with God. And the Bible makes it very clear that without a commitment of our life to Christ, we have no relationship with God. But the good news this morning is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come to me. I will cleanse you, I will forgive you, I will make you a child of God. He's waiting for you this morning with open arms. He's waiting for you that will watch online. He's waiting for you. Or you might be here this morning and say, preacher, I've done that before, but you know, you know, you know, that as sure soon as you're sitting here this morning, you're not living by that commitment you made to Christ. And something we committed our life years ago, we're not living by today, doesn't do us any good. The issue is in years ago. The issue is where we are this morning. But the good news is Jesus stands with his arms wide open saying, come back to me. Come back to me. I will cleanse you. I will forgive you. I will restore you. I still got a plan for your life. He's waiting for you with open arms. Thirdly, you might be here this morning and preacher, I am a follower of Jesus, but there's stuff in my life that just shouldn't be there. And I need Jesus to cleanse me, to wash me, to forgive me of the sin in my life. And the good news is he stands with his arms wide open just waiting to cleanse, to wash, to forgive. If we're just willing to admit and acknowledge our need of his cleansing and forgiveness, if we're willing to repent and turn from the sin, he stands with his arms wide open just waiting, waiting, waiting. This morning in this altar call, we're not going to have you come forward, but just simply right where you're seated in the moment. You need to make that commitment of your life to Christ. You need to recommit your life to Christ. You need cleansing and forgiveness of sin. In a moment we're going to ask you to slip up your hand. And then we're going to have one word of prayer for everyone who slips up their hand. Those watching online. You can do the very same thing right where you're at. And so with every head bowed. Every eye closed. no one you on please. This morning if you need to make that commitment of your life to Christ. Or you need to recommit your life to Christ. Or you need cleansing and forgiveness of sin. This morning, right here, right now, right where you're at, just slip up that hand right now, just slip it up right now, put it back down again. Just slip it up quickly. I see that hand, you can put it down, other others, other others, are there others? I see those. You can put them down, now there's still others, still others, still others, still others. We'll wait a moment longer, still others. Father, this morning you see the beautiful sight of individuals responding to the tidings of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we know that you love them and we know that you are thrilled. And Father, we pray that this morning you will minister to the very reason why they have raised their hand this morning. I pray, Father, this morning you will cleanse them, you will wash them you will forgive them of the sin in their life. As they in this quiet moment, as they admit and acknowledge their sin to you. And as they ask you to forgive them of the sins. I pray you, the cleanser, the washer, the forgiver of sins will cleanse and wash them and forgive them of the sin in their life. As they admit and acknowledge their sins to you. And Father I pray that you will come and live within them by your Holy Spirit if you're not already there. And I pray Father you will help them as they live for Jesus from this day on. Father we thank you this morning for your cleansing and your washing and your forgiving of sins. Thank you that you dwell within us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're going to help us as we live for Jesus from this day on. Thank you for what you've done for your grace and mercy. And thank you for what you're going to do in the coming days. And Father, we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. Let's all stand together, please. If we could, everyone standing, please.